Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, "Uh, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do not know him. uh, You do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father. The Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if In my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever, the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, it's that time of year again. I suspect someone in your life knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's, it's graduation time. Which means it's time for that great all-purpose graduation gift that operates as a, as a fallback for when you can't figure out what else to give the graduate who has everything. Now, they didn't have it when I graduated from high school. In fact, despite its popularity, I, I'd never even heard of it before. I went shopping for a graduation present for some kids back in 1995, which is pretty strange given how long this gift had been on the New York Times number one's bestseller list, not to mention all the other times it sat atop the lint since, oh, the places you'll go. It was Dr. Seuss's last book published while he was still alive. When I read it, I remember thinking, how great it was. I mean, super insightful, well-written, fun in that sort of Dr. Seussy kind of way. 
But something didn't quite sit right with me. I mean, it sort of looks like a self-help book, but it doesn't spell out how you can help the self you're supposed to be self-helping. I mean, I read it, what am I supposed to do? The book feels like it has a glaring flaw to me, or at least a, a missed opportunity. Dr. Seuss never tells you how to get to all these places you'll go. All these wonderful places, but there's no roadmap. I mean, graduating is it's, it's an exciting thing, but it's also really scary. Anytime you launch from a comfortable place into the unknown, things are most likely going to get overwhelming. What do I do? Who's going to take care of me? And so, you know, a few directions on how to get to where you're supposed to be headed, that would be helpful. But to be honest, Dr. Seuss doesn't include a usable map. Indeed, it, I mean, it sort of feels like Dr. Seuss just sort of messes things up more. He writes, you come to a place where the streets are not marked. Some windows are lighted, but others are darked. A place you could sprain both your elbows and chin. Do you dare to stay out? Do you dare to go in? How much can you lose? How much can you win? And if you go in, should you turn left or right, or right and three quarters, or, or maybe not quite, or go around back and sneak in from behind? Simple, it's, it's not. I'm afraid you'll find for a mind maker upper to make up their mind. You can get so confused that you'll start to race down long wiggled roads at a breaknecking pace and grind on for miles across weirdest wild space, headed, I fear or the most useless place, the waiting place. The, the waiting place? I mean, what even is that? Apparently, it's just a place where everybody winds up spending time in, trying to figure out where they're going and what they're supposed to be doing. But that waiting place, I mean, it doesn't sound like a place that anybody wants to go, does it? Especially because Dr. Seuss is so awful at giving directions. It kind of feels like the pro tip I saw the other day about how to find what you want at Home Depot. First step, you check the aisle you think it's in. Step two, look for an employee. Step three, check two more aisles. Step four, wander around for 10 to 20 minutes. Check five, uh, step five, check the lumber section. Step, step six, struggle to describe what it is you need to the guy who mixes paint. Until finally, step seven, you give up and you go home. And if you happen to, have, to be in a Mexican Home Depot, you should probably add another half hour to wandering around the store. Even if you figure out how to ask for a half inch elbow fitting for a dilapidated hot water heater, which, I mean, even in the age of Google Translate, is not a given. 
Then the guy who mixes the paint is going to tell you, if you speak more than rudimentary Spanish, that there's, you know, there's a special end cap display in appliances where you'll find what you need right now. It's right next to the sham wow and the Ronco pocket fisherman. Except you won't. You won't find your fitting no matter how long you amble around the store, but you may lose your Christianity wandering around trying to f follow the vague directions to a place that you've got no idea where it is and have never been. See, that's the sense that I get from today's gospel lesson. Jesus says he's going away, and the disciples say, oh, cool, can we go? No. Going by myself. All right, so they want a map. They want turn-by-turn -turn directions about how to go where he's going. Kind of divine GPS, right? When Susan and I moved to East Tennessee so I could go to seminary, I delivered pizzas to make ends meet. Of course, I didn't want to deliver pizzas. I mean, there's not really much money in it, and it was a lot of work. So I had these applications out to uh, area churches to be a student associate, actually a student youth minister. Well, the first interview I had was at this church. It was tucked back into a, a holler in Bluff City, Tennessee. Bunker Hill Christian Church. An oddly jarring juxtaposition of the sacred and the profane. Now, coming from Detroit, my knowledge of Appalachia came mostly from reading Roots, uh, watching Deliverance and the Dukes of Hazard. you know? I mean, I, I was a city boy in a, in, a, in a foreign land, and I don't mind telling you, I was really nervous. I mean, I remember thinking that everybody probably walked around carrying shotguns and chewing red man, like even the toddlers, right? But my fears weren't helped when I walked up the front steps of the church for the interview, and I literally had to step over this huge bloodhound lying right in front of the doorway. Like I was in an episode of Hee Haw. I was this long-haired, motorcycle-riding Yankee, but they hired me anyway. And they were so kind to Susan and I. I remember asking the preacher, his name was Ernie Depew, he he was a bivocational minister who also worked for Snap-on Tools. I asked him for directions to one of the youth's house. And he said, well, yeah, it's, it's pretty easy. You go straight up the road there uh, until you get to Chinkapin Holler. And you'll, you'll know it's Chinkapin because there'll be an old barn right there on the right. And there's a tractor outside the barn. Now you turn left there, and then you go straight a ways. And I know this sounds strange, but you're going to see a cow tied to a tree on the right-hand side of the road. And then you'll see a creek. You take the third bridge, and the house is right there. I mean, you can't miss it. And just, just make sure that you, of all people, begging your pardon, don't go across any of the other bridges up there. Those are driveways, and looking like you do, your life will get shot. Now, in my estimation, those were terrible directions. 
I'm not sure if there was such a thing as GPS back then, but I'd have paid my whole $130 a week salary for one at that point. I mean, just to save myself from getting shot. And getting shot was something the disciples were acutely aware of in our text for this morning. And if not shot, then strung up, right? It, it might help to take a moment to remind ourselves of where exactly we are in the story right now in the Gospel of John. Jesus and the disciples have just finished the Last Supper on Thursday evening. And in less than 18 hours, Jesus will find himself hanging from a cross. In our text for this morning, he's in the middle of what has become known as his farewell speech. And while the disciples don't know exactly what will soon transpire, they're savvy enough about the politics of the situation to know that Jesus has made some pretty powerful people really angry. And that they're all in very serious jeopardy of finding themselves at the wrong end of a Roman sword. But Jesus is just going to have to start the revolution soon before the Romans take him off the board. They're antsy. So when Jesus says, look, <clears throat> fellas, I'm, I'm fixing to leave. And uh, I'm going to prepare a place for, for you all. And when he says to the disciples, they want a few more details. Right? How are you? How do you get there? Well, you know how to get there. Mm -hmm. We don't know how to get there. I mean, look, they'd like a map, if you don't mind, some turn-by-turn -turn directions. Things are pretty dicey for them right now, and they want to make sure they know exactly where they're supposed to go to stay out of the crosshairs of the goons who are getting ready to whack Jesus. But Jesus, as is his custom, disappoints them. His answer is, he's going to be with God. And of course, their first instinct is to ask, okay, well, so how do we get there ourselves? Spell it out, what's the way? And Jesus, he gives this answer that is simultaneously one of the most famous and one of the most frustrating, least satisfying answers that's possible to give. Where are you going? I, uh, uh, what is the way to the place you are going? I am the way and the truth and the life. And you can imagine the disciples looking at each other exasperated. What does that mean? I am the way. What, what is that? I mean, we ask for directions and we get, I am the way? Come on, man. We, we need something a little bit more concrete, something with a, you know, roads and rest stops, a place to pull over and get a gas station hot dog for crying out loud. Give us something. See, the, the disciples want sort of easy to follow directions. They, 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 they want geography. They want landmarks, some way to know whether they're headed in the right direction. But Jesus isn't talking about geography, turns out. He's talking about a way, of course, but not a way to someplace, but a way of being. I mean, we get a clue about this a few verses prior to this passage this morning. Jesus says, little children, I am with you only a little while longer. You'll look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. 
But I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. The disciples want some well-defined landmarks to let them know that when they've arrived at their final destination. But Jesus offers them something much less satisfying. Instead of paint by numbers, Jesus tells them that they're going to have to put in the work to become actual artists. And they and everyone else will know they've arrived when they look like Jesus himself. And Philip says, oh, okay. I mean, well, that's all well and, and good, Jesus, but we'd like to see God. Can, can, can you throw in the directions for, for, for that family fun destination? And now it's Jesus' turn to be exasperated. He says, well, I've, have I been with you all of this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father already. In other words, Jesus says, look, if you want to see God, take a look at me. If you want to know the way to God, then do the things I do. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And you can see the wheels turning in the disciples' heads, uh, saying, oh, uh, okay, it's a lot. But if we want to see God, then we have to do what Jesus does. Okay. Right? Of course, that forces the question, what does Jesus do? Well, for one thing, he does all these, like, works, right? And Jesus says that his disciples will do these same kinds of works. In fact, even greater works than Jesus himself. Even greater works than Jesus? Wow, that's, that's cool, but I mean, that's a pretty tall order, isn't it? And if I'm the disciples and I hear this from Jesus, immediately I'm thinking, oh, okay, works. He means miracles. Jesus turns water into wine, heals the blind, raises the dead. Pretty soon I'm thinking Jesus is saying that I'm going to be like the next Benny Hinn, right? Sending out anointed prayer claws and curing Janice from Des Moines and her debilitating case of dyspepsia. Those are the works that will tell me I finally arrived where Jesus is going, which frankly is pretty discouraging given the fact that I have a difficult time keeping air in my tires and changing the furnace filter. I mean, are, are these the works that Jesus is talking about? Well, I don't think so. I mean, if they were, Christianity would be this like colossal failure, right? Because unless you count the faith healers on late night cable TV, and I'm not, counting them, that is, then everybody who's not one of them has failed. Well, that doesn't sound right. So Jesus must be talking about some other kind of works, works that he tells the disciples they will do in even greater ways than he has. But what are these works? Well, I think the purpose of the Gospels is to show the kind of work Jesus is busy doing right now. And it almost always has to do with the challenging the machinery of domination that grinds down those without the power to defend themselves. In the Gospels, Jesus is always raising a fist against 
the structures and powers, the folks who get ahead by stepping on the necks of the vulnerable and it is dispossessed, calling out the, the power brokers who game the system so that the only people capable of making a better life are the people in power. That's the story of the Gospels. But much closer to our text this morning is Jesus' reference to the kinds of works that he expects. Now remember, Jesus, just a few verses prior, says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. In other words, if you love one another, you're already doing the works that I've done. And you don't have to question the way to the Father about whether you're following the step-by-step direction since everybody's going to already know who you belong to. If you condemn a system that allows police officers to kill a black man in cold blood on video, you and everybody else will know that you're following the way. If you raise your voice on behalf of the unemployed and the undocumented in a culture satisfied to let them suffer unaided, well, then you're not going to have to question where I'm going. You're going to already be there with me. If you think more about the trans neighbors, our trans neighbors who hear every day how they're some kind of predatory aberrations than about the intolerant chuckleheads who spend way too much time trying to figure out new ways to torture them, well, then you're headed in the right direction. See, following me, Jesus says, is not paint by numbers. There's no quick fix. There's no easy way to look like you know what you're doing without ever putting in the effort. I mean, that'd be nice, but that's not how it works. If you want to know the way to God, You're going to have to live the way I live. Challenge the injustices I challenge. Show mercy the way I show mercy. If you want to see God, you only have to look at me. Love one another, and everybody will see me in you. Love the people I love, and you won't have any doubt in your mind about whether or not You've arrived in God's presence. The whole world will know. Oh, the places you'll go. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate the podcast on iTunes, retweet the link, or just tell your friends. Godspeed until next time on the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast.